Do you know what sorts of uh, bad or potentially dangerous behaviour you might be interested in once the COVID restrictions are lifted? Uh, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, um, are you are you planning any like major pub calls to make up for lost time or? No, nothing, know, nothing, ex- like... nothing extreme. It'll just be mainly going and visiting my mate who lives around the corner from me. Um, uh, maybe well, starting yeah. small, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe going the uh, the pub. I suppose I'm, I'm more focused on, uh, you know, maybe uh, probably getting down to London again. Go see the uh, the London crew. Um, I need to go see you. I'll as- probably do the same. Need to go see you as well because I need to give you the computer. Uh, if, oh yeah. If you still want it, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that will depend. That'll depend where I am, like, because uh, bizarrely, I'm still somehow like in 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 the ring for the Strasbourg program. Oh right, um, right. But I'll see. I'll see how that all goes. There's like two interviews, which are kind of the same. But yeah, I'll see how that goes. Because it's um, if I'm moving abroad, then I'll probably only have I'll get a laptop instead of a tower computer to replace the current one. Um, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's all right. But, uh, but yeah, that that's. Yeah, nothing, uh, That's far nothing future, too yeah. crazy, to be honest. Uh, maybe start... I don't know what the deal is with live music, but maybe start looking at like what bands are touring again. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing too wild and crazy, to be honest. I mean, I don't have... Uh, I've only got a couple of mates that live around near me, so I'm not going to be able to have any like parties or anything. So it's probably all going to um, rest on the fact of me getting down to london for a big get together or something that'll be yeah that'll probably be the main let's say that's the main thing let's say that's what i'm aiming we, for uh, this week or like early in the week we hosted our neighbors in the garden like so that you know it took made you to the fact that you can meet outdoors so oh, nice. the neighbors in the garden but mum and i were like so anxious because we'd kind of forgotten how to do the whole socializing mcguffin um it's kind of like oh dear like, what do we do like and then we were sort of really hyping it up but then like a few glasses of wine later it was absolutely fine but yeah. it was it's it, it's interesting that that you're kind out, of, out of practice yeah out of practice essentially i mean like i, I mean we do technically socialize like on this and like on the film night but it's, there is something different to as i probably talk about quite a bit that it, it there is something added with the fact that you can see someone's body language in person rather than on the screen yeah i I'm agree kind of getting just a, the fact of having someone else in the room yeah I'm getting a tad exhausted of um, like screen meetups. I think it's just the um, like the cadence changes. Then, like, I mean, I, I don't do very well when there's like significant beats between two people saying something. Um, and also, like, I think as we found out, there's there's generally not much to report these days. Yeah, if so, it's it, like you're doing a catch up or something, I've I've found that. I mean, we're we're all lucky, I think, because. Um... I've noticed when speaking to certain people, you know, sometimes I don't tend to ask like, oh, hey, what have you been up to? Because the answer is always the same. They'll just be like, oh, same old, same old. But that's fine because we then launch into a conversation about, you know, whatever. Um, but I know what you mean. It's that thing of like, you can't really ask people now, oh, how have you been doing? It's like, well, I mean, you can kind of know without asking. I've been isolating, so I've probably not been doing anything. I don't know. It's different with us, though, because we, we read, don't we? We read and we watch films and play games. So we... We do have. We never run out of things to talk about. But I understand what you mean. I mean, it's like, yeah, mostly you'll speak to people, and it's like, oh, what have you been doing? It's like, oh, you know, isolating, not nothing to report. And it's like, oh, okay, right. See you then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when we, like the the last episode with Georgie was, um, yeah, it 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 was strange because it, it as we mentioned, it was the first time we'd heard from her for like for quite a while, and so it's like we had to do the like the catch up, and then the catch-up and then kind of good like uh spawn tangents to talk about or like branching topics based on that whereas like uh i guess with us a lot you know who watch the film night we're so kind of used to seeing each other that it's kind of like we can kind of go straight in with the cold openers or like uh just ask us stuff that we probably have asked in the past anyway but obviously giving the time to elaborate on it i know it's an interesting one i think it's uh i mean obviously the the, the aim with guests the thing is to have you know not just more diverse guests but generally more guests outside of that immediate sphere yeah not just the fact of different opinions but like yeah and also uh, i am i am gonna try and work on like my interview patter uh i mean for anyone who listened like you know it's like we're, we're not experienced interviewers and i think that shows oh not at all but, no, no, no. Um, we are gonna work on it though because it will be nice to 
have different guests on and stuff. Um, so yeah, we will definitely work on sort of an interview structure. Uh, it's not super hard. It's just something just to have to fall back on, I think, um, and have some talking well, I think points. It's, it's... It's a sense of self-awareness as well about like I know I keep saying I've talked too much, but actually the, the way to mitigate that guilt, I guess, is like is to have a timer or like as long as I have enough questions, I can kind of go. If I go in my head, I've spoken for a while. Then look to a question. So I mean, we're not we're not Michael Parkinson's, are we? Really? Um, no, no, we uh, we we don't have Parkinson's. No, I'm sure it was. I mean, he's Michael Parkinson's is much much younger than the Doctor who coined that who gave his namesake to the neurodegenerative disease um, yeah i think if uh if if parkinson could see us now he'd be uh he'd be spinning in his grave yeah i mean that, not that, just that, the fact that that's you... the man who who invented parkinson's not michael parkinson because he's still yeah, alive yeah. and he's from, still alive from what i believe was doing the yorkshire tea adverts which was really cool Oh, at least, I mean, at least that makes sense. I mean, I guess it's, well, it also makes sense that he's being kept alive by the power of sun, or rather the power of sun life. Um, oh, yeah, with a free Parker pen and all that that stuff. Yeah, free Parker pen, just just for inquiring. Yeah. Um, what's what's I, I, a really good talk show host as well. I don't think he maybe gets, I don't know, I think he gets enough credit, but uh, I'll give him some more. Um, I'm, a bit, I'm a big, big Graham Norton fan. Um, I thought you were going to say Graham Norton, actually. I yeah, think he, yeah, he... I really like him. Stuart Lee does a funny bit about Graham Norton winning the best like comedy show. I don't know if you've seen that. Where it's just like I have, yeah, because he yeah, keeps mentioning he... that he likes Graham Norton. He's like, I like Graham Norton, and I think it's because like they were um, at the Fringe together, not together, but at the same time, quite a few times. So they would have seen each other's stuff, um, you know. So sort of coming up together in the nineties. But uh, yeah, I, I watched Graham Norton on a Friday night, and I just think he's got a really good way with people. Um, and also, he did the uh, he did the Blind Boy podcast a little while ago. Oh, okay. And he just came across as such a nice, lovely bloke, and uh, he's just good at talking to people. Because uh, I think, like, an example Blind Boy used was like he got he got chatting uh, to Graham Norton at uh, it might have been at the Fringe. I think it was because I think the Rubber, the Rubber Bandits were up at the Fringe doing their their run. Um, and for whatever reason, Blind Boy got chatting to Graham Norton, and and uh, I think Blind Boy didn't have his bag on, um, so you know they were chatting away, and after like a good chunk of time of chatting, uh, Graham Norton was like, "Oh, okay, so you know, it was just chatting," and he was like, "Oh, so um, so what do you do? What are you at the Fringe for?" So what was really nice was like he didn't know that he was talking to Blind Boy, he's just he just talks to people because he's a nice guy. You know what I mean? He wasn't just oh, like... I see, yeah. He was basically talking to him the whole time and was like giving him the time of day just because he's like that. Cause, and, and then after a while was then like, oh, so what are you up to? You know, what what, what do you do? Are you a comedian? Or did, So that was quite nice because it was like, you know, rather than being like some people are where they're like, oh, you know, uh, I'm going to go talk to this person because that's so-and-so and they're doing this. It's just nice to know that he, he passes the time of day with anyone, which is, you know... Or, or the nice. the kind of um, the smarmy, the 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 smarmy kind of conversations that you might have with other people in your venue, and like, I mean, I only know this from like doing free shows, but like, I don't know. I think I think I've been quite lucky because we've always been. Able, I mean, I've only ever really worked with like either, you know, us us two working on Ludo's play, which was uh, deliberately very kind of stripped back, and it was like because it was you know set in theatre rehearsal space. Then it's like well. That's normally quite barren, anyway. Yeah. Or like stand-up shows, which only need a microphone connected to something of a PA system. Yeah. And like and even and if you're, you're like tramping you're over then. people. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if people are trying to do, and also the fact that if there's any noises or unexpected stuff like construction, or at one point there was like a church service every so often. <laughs> and I think like in the end, no, in the venue there was like a sort of a, a gospel service. But I think it's because it's. A scale in stand-up is responding to what's going on, so that can only ever add to it if you're able to respond to it, even if it's just to stop and listen. Whereas if you're doing like an actual play which has its own beats and like plot points, and particularly when you work to raise tension, it's like then that you know that that's just kind of shattered. It's kind of hard, particularly if you're in a very strong character, it's hard to jump out of that mm. to to then just go. Oh, by the way, have you have you heard this? Um, so I can I can understand the gripes of it, although I'm sure I've said on the show before. It's like I I don't understand why people come to see the stuff I've been involved in, let alone 
some of the stuff I've seen. It's kind of... And, like, yeah, The Fringe is going to get more and more saturated. It's still highly competitive. I'm sure that the average audience numbers have actually gone down even since I started going to The Fringe. And actually, I it was interesting because last year was... Even without COVID, I probably wouldn't have gone to the fringe anyway. I would have what like just had a, a go at what the time off would be like, because I think people who have been year on year and like had the, all the walking and being soaked on five minutes after it was pe- perfectly blisteringly warm. Mm. I mean, I'm, it's sunny. I should say it, it's interesting because I my attitude to the fringe when I did it was like, so I I probably wouldn't go the fringe normally. I I wouldn't go as a as a punter um it's not really my scene um so it was it was even more strange for me to like actually be not not only be there but be involved in one of the plays as a performer but i sort of saw it as very much like how can i say i was kind of just happy to be there and i I treated it kind of like as like a job as like you know i'm working and i'm i'm up there and i'm doing my thing you know each day uh and i was just really happy to be there so i didn't really get the whole competitive thing um i think i like to think the rest of us had the same attitude we were all just happy to be doing our our little bit and uh having a good time doing it you know not not especially bothered about like um cramming in as many people or like you know flyering as many people as possible um i mean i fucking hated flyering like that was my least i don't think anyone actually likes it <laughs> no um, i mean like this is all coming out of the wash now i think i think we we gave the or pretended to give the impression that we were doing good, a good job to ludo well that's the thing no it's fine it's because like i was just honored to be in the play and that like you know ludo had cast me uh in the in the play so i like i say i just i, I did a good job you know because i'm i'm a, a good you know although i say it myself i'm a hard worker so I was like, you know, I've been given a job to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So I tried my best to do that in every sort of facet. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's an interesting thing, the fringe of how you have to sort of, yeah. It, it, just when you sort of see the more, I wouldn't say businessy side, but you know what I mean, as far as like you are there with your thing that you're trying to sell and put out to as many people as possible. And yeah, it, it's so like saturated is probably the right word um i feel bad for all the people that live in like leaf or live in uh live in edinburgh proper uh where basically i mean they they rent their they rent their flats out in august and fuck off normally yeah I mean, that's, yeah that's, that's the thing when, isn't it? yeah. it's, you can probably actually use it to your advantage as a resident and make a bit of money um and like you say you use it to go on holiday for a bit get out of the way while the fringe is going on but uh yeah um yeah, not really my uh, not really my scene to be honest. But I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I loved being there as a performer, and I would definitely go back if I was in a play. If you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, uh... yeah, I, I know what you mean because it's it's kind of I I would possibly because I've been in that sort of capacity already. I've never I've only ever been as a punter. Yeah, I went once as a punter, like for a couple of days in twenty nineteen, and. Yeah, that was kind of fine, but I was kind of like, well, I've got what I want to see. And the thing is, I can't, my memory's not as sharp as it used to be. So sometimes I say, oh, what did you see? It's like, I mean, I saw I saw your show or whatever. It's like, oh, I actually can't remember anything else. Like, I could probably, after all the money spent, you spend hundreds on tickets and whatnot. And then, like, you wait for, like, an hour for, like, a 10 quid bit of street food. And then, but then you actually the stuff you remember is a what you did with your mates i think in particular uh because you know that, that that's kind of you're generally all there when you're doing stuff with your mates and and also like you probably remember a handful of like really really standout shows and i think so for me for example it's like i remember the first time i saw rob Orton when he did the face show it's like yeah i, I kind of I, I can't just kind of keep like creative stuff as a hobby this is this is so inspiring I mean, I also remember some of the shite that I've seen, but like everything was sort of in between. I, mean, I could probably, I might do that as an exercise if I'm extremely bored, write down all the stuff I've seen in Edinburgh and kind of go like, oh, maybe, you know, why did that work? Why did that not work? Mm. Just as like, literally just to pass the time. But maybe I might get some sort of like, other ideas out of it or kind of what what I'm trying to carry forward, really. I certainly, I mean, I certainly don't see a lot of stand-up outside of Edinburgh. Go... I guess the good thing about Edinburgh is that you generally your favourite stand-up acts are available for like five to eight quid a ticket. 
and then you kind of you can go and see all of them at once and they've generally like curated their show generally like this being like the end point or like a, a decent chunk of their like developmental period for a piece and then you don't need to go and spend 20 quick on your local theatre ticket. I'm not saying don't spend money on local theatre, but like if you want to if you want to get your money's worth out of your favourite comedians, do the Edinburgh Fringe, whip round as many as you can, and then be like, maybe if you've missed a show and it's touring locally, go, oh, brilliant, I missed that. I wanted to go and see that. But yeah, yeah it's... I I really struggle with... I can't remember if I, talk, I might have talked about this on the episode with Georgie, but yeah, I think I did. The idea of just going to see a compilation of stand-up. Like, I know I've been involved with in them and I should really give back. But like, I think I, I have to be honest. This sounds like if I just went to a comedy night, I feel like that's not... I'm sure we're the same. It's like we wouldn't just go to a comedy night because it's like, well, what... Probably it's, not. It's so varied. If it's unless yeah. it's uh, unless it was like had named performers that I was like, oh, I like him, I'll go. So no, mm. definitely not. Um, but yeah, I've always I've always walked out halfway through when if I've gone on my own, and that's not just because it's like it's a, you know being on your own is a bit of a boring experience. And I guess like going to the cinema on your own is probably a lot more interesting, and that's something I've yet to do. Yeah, I and I can that, recommend that it. Quite I nice. started I started doing yeah. it at uni, um, and. Uh, since i've been at home um well i usually go with my dad now just because it's you know it's just nice to have the company and he's usually up for it but yeah i will go on my own if there's something on i want to see i i now make the effort to go and watch it um because yeah it's it's worth it because you know you don't really want to miss it if it's something you've been waiting for for ages you might as well go on your own but yeah i started uh i started doing that um but just going back to like the stand-up thing and the comedy night thing, I mean, one thing I will say for the Edinburgh Fringe is it did give me at least a chance to see, because I do, I do like stand-up. Um, well, I like good stand-up. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sure we've said many, many times. Yeah, so I, um, I was very fortunate to be able to see uh, some people that I wouldn't be able to see normally, just because they don't either. They don't, you know, they don't really tour or you know, I can't get to see them because they're somewhere else in the country. But, like, for example, you know, I got to see Daniel Kitson, uh, which was, like, fucking incredible. Um, oh, I've still not seen any of his stuff. I'm on his mailing list, and, like, it's so difficult to get... He doesn't have an agent, apparently. Like, he's so he's just so reliant on word of mouth. He doesn't need someone to, um, to do all the fucking admin for him, or either does it himself, or, like, it, there's enough of a draw. He might, he might have won comedy, I think, in the end, even though I've not seen any of his, like, long stuff. I think he's he's kind of fucking won, I think. Yeah. Sorry, he did, I um, you. He did, uh, yeah, the one I saw in Edinburgh was, uh, he did, like, a, a short, uh, well, not, like, well, it was, like, a, not short, sorry. Uh, he did, like, uh, a piece that was called po- Polyphony, I think it was called. Um, and that was, like, uh, fantastic on, like, a, a writing level, but also on a technical level. Uh, it was like crazy, which was basically he um, he performed it in the round setting. So everyone was sat around him and he was like talking and walking around. And um, he just started giving people these like speakers, uh, these portable speakers with um, iPod shuffles taped to the back of them. Um, so the really tiny iPods, you know, the little square ones that didn't have a screen yeah, yeah. and that had like just like a big button. Uh, with with like play and skip and stuff and what he'd do is he'd walk with the portable speaker and all the speakers had like numbers on and he'd just click play and then give them give them to someone to hold and then the speakers would like start talking because they'd been pre-recorded um but he timed it in such a way that as he gave people these speakers and in the end i think there was like 16 speakers all with different characters on it was almost as if these these voices were like talking to him and he'd like talk back to them um and the voices i didn't know it at the time but i found out later the voices were all other comedians so i think tim key was one of the voices and uh so was izzy sutty uh which was awesome uh but yeah it was nuts it was absolutely crazy and at the end he like walked to those people one by one and like picked up the speaker and switched off the shuff the ipod so he closed it all down at the end as well as he was doing a monologue so it was fucking nuts but that was amazing you know and that's something i, I wouldn't have seen if i hadn't been at the fringe um that does sound amazing but yeah like that's it's a bit like um but it's a very similar experience to another festival which is well all the festivals i've been to which aren't comedy so like um i went to download in 2013 um 
and then I went to Sonosphere in uh, 2014. And that's another good example of like festivals are good for music that way because the, 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 there will be bands there on one of the days at that festival that you know you might not have had chance to see otherwise if they were touring, if you know what I mean. So um, an example is like, so one of my favorite metal bands of all time is a band called The Sword. Um, and they, excuse me, they were at Download. Um, so I, you know, I managed to find the smaller tent that they were in go see them um i went to um fuck what was it called there was a festival that used to be called field day uh it, that's in london that's changed its name now um that i went to with ludo and uh an example there is like death grips were playing there and like oh yeah death grips have like really weird gigs uh notoriously uh like i heard there's even one gig where they just didn't show up but anyway they were at a tent there so that was really good i actually got to see death grips and uh the headliner for like the end of the night well you could either go to one or two of the stages it was either apex twin or run the jewels and uh although i did really want to see apex twin me and ludo ended up seeing run the jewels and they were fucking amazing and again yeah festivals are good for that actually where you can catch bands that you maybe wouldn't normally go and see if they were on their own. So that's another good one. Whether it, it would either be that maybe they would like mega deer to see on their own. Um, in my case, it was like when I went to like download in Sonosphere, I got to see Iron Maiden. Um, and whereas if you were just going to see Iron Maiden, a ticket would like cost you an arm and a leg. But because it was included, because you were seeing the whole festival, uh, it worked out better. But uh, yeah, I think the Edinburgh Fringe is a bit like that with, um, I think any festivals, I guess, is like that with performers, really, isn't it? It's like you can, because it's a big festival, you can just catch loads of people that you would find it harder to see if they were doing a gig on their own or touring on their own. It's interesting because I, I sometimes think that like festivals and some live music is a little bit wasted on me because I didn't really see like live music like in terms of cause apart from maybe bands and whatnot. But going to see like a no nag, it probably wasn't until I was like twenty twenty one when I went to see Parliament Funkadelic at the mostly jazz funk and soul festival. Oh no way! I mean like that was still cool. I mean I was pretty fucking hammered and so like and then I was graduating the next day, so things were all a bit chaotic. To be fair though, I went to see. I think you might have gone to see Parliament. It might have been the year after I saw them, because I went to saw yeah. I, I went to see them when I was living on the when we were living on the main road in Selly Oak. Um, I, uh, me, Jack, and who else went? It was me, Jack. I Ludo. even know it was Ludo. I think went, which might be Dan as did well. Did Dan I drive you up or something? Yeah, I forget. But because I, um, I know about this, because that sounded like an amazing thing that I missed. I got well. I got. I only the only reason I saw it. I nearly missed it because um, I didn't buy a ticket, and it was the night of. I think it was just bad communication, um, and like the boys were going, and and we sort of talked about it, and I was like, oh shit, that'd be amazing. And then we were like, well, why don't we just sort of go rock up, and I'll just see if I can get in on the door, and crazily i could which is mad in this day and age that a parliament gig doesn't sell out but i'm glad it didn't because uh, lucky for me just rocked up on the door bam paid ticket got straight in and uh yeah anyway my point was was that the whole gig is like a massive party so you might as well get fucking hammered because everyone's dancing and get really getting down um but uh oh that's awesome got to see them then when when they did the uh the mosley gig um I bet you that was a good, I mean, like, a good environment as well, because obviously when I saw them, it was just a big room. Um, whereas I suppose was it outdoor for the Funk and Soul thing? Yeah, it was outdoors. I mean, oh, it was sweet. also I'd I'd heard some of the more, the Funkadelic side of things that I hadn't heard before. Like I hadn't heard Maggot Brain, and it was amazing hearing that. Oh, that's like, for yeah, the first time. Um, but I remember being really, really drunk and like. I remember, I think I got quite upset because I was like, I think my family were trying to call me and my phone had died. I was just like, oh, I need to desperately charge my phone. And it was like, I mean, it was a bad decision in a way because <clears throat> I was graduating the next day and everyone did need to know what the arrangements were. But like, um, it was all fine in the end. But uh, but yeah, I think I went quite hard to, when I saw Parliament Funkadelic. And then I maybe saw like, the odd gig thereafter. Like I generally have seen bands and then listen to the rest of their discography rather than the other way around. But um I went to End of the Road in 2016, and like we, it was we enjoyed it. I think more there was like comedy acts which we saw, like those are the known acts, and there was like a a, a Ken Loach retrospective. Even though I've not seen any Ken Loach films. Um, oh, have you not seen? And, you've not seen Kaz? 
No, I've not, no, I've not seen a single Ken Loach film. Oh, man. Um, Kaz is uh, yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, I can imagine because I've not seen it. It, it must be good because <laughs> <Like, laughs> I've generally just sort of cemented in crap films these days. But um, yeah, then we saw, I mean, there were some interesting acts. Like that was the first place I saw The Big Moon, which I, I really like. Um, then we saw Goat, who we'd never heard of before. But they're like, um, they're like a collective from Sweden. Um so I mean that pretty like super Airbnb people, but do then, they like, uh, do they, wear, they are they the band that wear like the masks? Yeah, but they it's all kind of Pan African and like yeah my um, my uncle quite psychedelic. My uncle recommended Goat to me actually. I, sh- I should te- I should check them out. Yeah, I think like I for me the experience I think they do have some very good stuff. I think having it live was just very quite it was quite surreal. But we also saw Animal Collective, which I really like. I, I think Cosmo had liked. I mean, uh, Cosmo again, one of our friends. Um, he he really liked for quite a while. And Dan, I yeah, really Dan, Dan's a big fan as well. Yeah, because there was. I really like them now, but like the the show that we saw was like, I was interesting to see them, but like it was kind of wasted on me because like I well, it's also the fact that they played the at the time the most recent album, which wasn't as good as the earlier stuff, but um. But if I'd see, you know, if I'd got into Animal Collective, then it's like, oh, brilliant, get to see Animal Collective. And similarly, um, our, our friend Cosmo was trying to get us to go to uh, Primavera in Barcelona in 2016, I think. And this came up in conversation with a few people just over the years, um, because I'm going to tell you some of the hits on this lineup, and these are all people I got into maybe a bit before or quite a few years after that time and so if i'd went it would have been a waste of time but now it now looks like the best lineup of any festival that would have ever been ever and like this this has come up in numerous conversations i'm starting to sound like well those youtube tutors who go on for like two minutes before giving you like 30 seconds of actual lessons but um (laughs) But also the fact that I wasn't confident in travelling abroad. Like, I'd go now, but, you know, it was fucking COVID. But, yeah, this. so he, these are some of the acts which I can put pick out, which I've got, I'm really into now, but obviously they're not performing at the same time now. So Radiohead, LCD Sound System, Tame Impala, Brian Wilson performing Pet Sounds, uh, what else? Animal Collective, Deer Hunter, and then I was looking... And this thing I hadn't actually seen until I looked at it again today. Um, right in the third box under the smallest font is actually Carsey Headrest. Oh, like, nice! Fucks. I love Carsey like, Headrest. For fuck's yeah, sake. that is a shame. Yeah, that, yeah. It's like, well, that's not going to happen again. You can't have that roll of dice unless you what, do like a Stuart Lee and festival? you curate your own festival. <laughs> what festival was that? That was Primavera, which is in Barcelona. Primavera. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah, um, I. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to think of like what live bands I've been to see. I mean, I um, I I do tend to um, go see bands. I have seen Deer Hunter, by the way. I have seen them finally. They're very oh, loud, right. but very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some Deer Hunter on my. I think Ludo gave me some Deer Hunter. I've got it on my iPod. I should probably give him a listen at some point. Um, yeah, like I uh, have been to see. I used to go see a couple of gigs just on spec. Um. For, for stuff i wasn't really into uh so i i do tend i guess i do tend to see bands that i've not heard before um basically when i was at uni uh me and my buddy uh tristan uh we used to go regularly to gigs um just just as like a thing to do you know like just just like oh you know instead of going the pub and just drinking for ages we'd be like oh well you know are there any like bands or anything on and with it being Birmingham and so many good venues, we were in luck a lot of the time. So there was this um, venue slash recording studio uh, called, uh, I think it was called The Asylum. Is it Mothers? Okay. Well, sorry, which was I'll one say you mother- Mothers, Mothers, which is dear to my heart. But anyway, carry on. So yeah, like The Asylum was in, uh, it was in Snow Hill. Um, it actually, I'm pretty sure it hosted one of the uni nights you know one of the freshers nights but i forget what it was called so a few people did know it but um i remember one one weekend it was a long weekend because i think they it ran from friday to sunday they did like a doom metal weekend so basically it was just like a smorgasbord of 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 bands all playing doom metal um and you're talking like seven or eight bands a day 
and we we went every night we went from friday right through to sunday so we saw like you know uh yeah must have been like 22 23 different bands none of them we'd heard of we hadn't well sorry tell a lie there was one we'd heard of that we knew was were great um called conan uh who were fucking sick uh and uh yeah so like we we just got to see all of them and it was it was great it was just loads of like just basically low either local bands or bands that had traveled to get there uh that was really good and i think we also that is something we also did another night, okay on. i was just gonna say we also did another like night a bit like that at, um at the hare and hounds uh but i forget what it was i think it was just one night but it was like about five bands and i think the main headline band was a band called goddamn who are pretty good. I mean, I remember them being pretty good at the time, and I've seen them since, and they weren't quite as good because they sort of changed genre. Um, I saw them when they were supporting a band called Red Fang that I really like. Uh, but yeah, goddamn, weren't that good then. But they were they were, they were better at the time. They were like a, a metal duo. Um, but yeah, so yeah, now that I think about it, a couple of times we did, we did sort of go just on spec down to... Uh, you know um yeah just like random gigs uh I, m- I remember one one really good one actually was um that i went to with sean coletti uh we went to see uh blaze bailey uh if you don't know blaze bailey he's um so in i think it was like the late 80s uh bruce dickinson who's the lead singer for iron maiden uh left to pursue a solo career so Iron Maiden had to get a new lead singer for a bit, and Blaze Bailey was the singer they got for like two albums, um, and then Bruce Dickinson came back. But since then, Blaze Bailey was like making his own music, and he'd um, his backing band uh, for this tour he was doing uh, was a band. I didn't realize this until I actually physically saw them. But it was a band called Absolver, who were uh, who were like a metal band from uh, Manchester, who I'd seen before. So it was a really nice surprise to see that they were like it was basically Absolver with Blaze Bailey singing, um, but singing his music. Uh, and we saw that at um, God, what was it called? Uh, it was a venue in uh, was it Kings Heath? You know, that's just up the road. It was just up the road from um, from Sally Oak. Uh, oh, just up the road from Silly Oak. I mean, there's. I mean, the Dark Horse Pub is in Mosley. I'm just. Showing, I'm just going to go start going through them now. So it um, wasn't. It wasn't the Dark Horse. It was definitely in Kings Heath. It was like a. Um, fuck. What was the venue called? It was. It's not like the a, Hare and Hounds, obviously, because you mentioned that. Yeah, no, it you, definitely you, you wasn't known. Yeah, yeah, definitely wasn't the Hare and Hounds. It was like a. Um, or was it even further up than Kings Heath? Was it Northfield? I forget. Um, Where's the place? Where's the place that all the lecturers lived in? In from UOB because there was a certain chunk. It was like it. Uh, fuck. What was it called? Was it Kings Heath? I don't know. Um, well, there was. Um, I mean, going through Birmingham areas. I mean, like where we lived in Selioak was technically Bournebrook, and then Selioak is actually further up where the big Sainsbury's was. And then right. there's also Bourneville, which is where the Cadbury factory is, and near like Sturchley. Um, well, Bournemouth's the station, then Search is the area, I think. Um, and you can walk. It's quite a long walk. I think if you do, you can walk like UOB through to Mosley. It's quite it's quite a decent walk, I think. Maybe a bit do you know Do you know what it was? Just wrong. to give you a better idea of where we went. We basically, we, we got mm. on the train and we went, um, if you imagine you're looking at the rail bridge and Bristol Pears on your left. Yeah, we went left on the train line. So if you go that direction, we went that way. I think it it could have been Bourneville, or maybe it was like the stop after Bourneville. I forget. Anyway, uh, there's a ve- there was a venue out there. Um, oh, okay. Because um, uh, I think uh, Sean had actually put it on Facebook, and I know that Luke Kennard responded because he he knew Blaze Bailey's stuff. Uh, I think might have even asked him if he wanted to come, but I don't think he could make it. But um, yeah, that would have been so fucking strange. Just me, Sean Colletti, and Luke Kennard watching play, watching Blaze Bailey. Um, that was a really good night, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, damn it, if I only can remember what the fucking venue was called. Also, for everyone listening, Sean Colletti is someone we both know as well. He's not a, Sean Colletti isn't like a 
local celebrity or anything. Well, I mean, on, on the poetry scene, he arguably was, but then he got um, then he got deported, really unfortunately. Um, but he's so he's back in the states. He's from he's from the states originally, but um, yeah, nice fella, which is really nice guy. Yeah, probably like um, kind of wise even beyond his years, even though he's a bit older than us, still wise beyond his years. I was um. I mean, I was, I was just thinking as you were speaking, I was thinking about other gigs that I've seen. And, like, I mean, I've seen Unknown Mortal Orchestra. I think it was the O2 Institute. And that was actually really good. I got into them, like, more afterwards. But what's amazing is that I think um, in the band, there was a pair of brothers and their dad. Oh, cool. Within the band, uh, which is pretty cool. And that was, like, on a school night. And it, the gig was, like... And we were pretty battered, but like that was it, it started early, finished early, and it felt like it had gone on forever. Then we watched some Simpsons. That was a pretty great evening. Um, then what else have I seen? I've seen a sort of deer hunt in Birmingham. I can't remember where that was. Um, that was at a cool venue. Just I've seen a lot of local bands. Just while you're thinking of other stuff that you've seen, I was going to ask: uh, Have you got a favourite gig you've been to, um, or is there like maybe a top, a top three? If that makes it easier, a top three. Um, I think. I mean. For a number of reasons, I think the un- the Unknown Mortal Orchestra one is probably up there. I think the Parliament Funkadelic might be up there, but I think the um, I think the UMO might be at the top. I've not really been to that many. Oh, actually, I tell you what, let's say that that was like known, like famous bands gigs. I'm going to then talk about because I go to a lot of like, or we used to go to a lot more local gigs because I knew a few people in bands. I was in a band sure. for a bit, um, so I sort of joined a band later when they're synth player left and then i left birmingham but um so obviously i've played in a band and then you see the other bands that you play with on the bill unless you're like a local headliner and you're a bit of a cunt and you leave and that's happened before like the head the the, the headline bands turned up fucked off doing the other acts and then come back just for their performance and then leave again um but one of the favorite gigs i played at i think it was the last gig i've played at in the band and it was also it was really cool because they one of the acts couldn't make it, so they got someone else up from London that day, and they didn't have anywhere to stay. And they we sort of they crashed at our place, and so like we had like a long, it felt like it was a nice like weekend almost with them or like a couple of days. And but they were they were an act with two guitarists, both there's two guitarists both from Italy, um, and one of which was the lead singer as well, who gave the name to the band, which is his name was uh, Jonathan Scarley, and. They had also had a bassist who does some touring stuff in London, and like they were very, very. Um, it was kind of not quite lo-fi, but like it was. Um, it's a kind of lo-fi drum machine, a flat drum machine. That's it. So they didn't actually have a drummer; they just used a sampler machine and then just played the drum beats. And I've, I fucking loved that. That might have been like the best, or I think possibly the best local, like just unknown gig that I happened to be at. But um. I know, as I say, I know a couple of people who are in like different bands, and there was one time when I got to know the people. I was living with a few people who ran the New Street Records at UOB, and I think even uh, I'd left uni by that point. They were hosting another one of their festivals called Door to Door, where like uh, there's essentially a few backyards host like separate bills of local musicians. So that that was fucking great. I mean. I think I got a bit depressed in the middle of it. it. Just had like an episode, but like that was that last a few minutes. But um, that occasionally happens when I've been drinking. But anyway, ah, me too. Man. Um, yeah, there was um, it was interesting because like obviously all the bands were like from UOB, and there were some people who had like hidden stuff up their sleeve for years and then kind of debuted there. But it was literally just people's gardens, and you sort of like you would wander around Selly Oak, and like at festival tents, there would just be different different bands there. Um, wow, that's nuts. Yeah, that that was fucking great. I think. I wonder, what the, I wonder I mean, what the neighbours thought of that. I think they had delivered notices to all the neighbours, but there was one neighbour who, one resident who happened to not be in when that was delivered, and so like there was a, there was a small issue, but like, um, it's it's uh it it it's on the border of of legality, I think, um, <clears throat> or, or or in terms of um. You know, not disturbing the peace. I, I think if means. we were talking about this a few years ago, it would have been one of those things where, actually, to be fair, I'm, I, I think I'm fairly level-headed, so I probably would have had the same attitude. But when people are younger, 
I'd say in their early 20s, it's probably the thing of like, oh man, it was so cool. We had these festivals in people's gardens. Yeah, but I think I even I at that time at uni, I would have been the, the one guy who sounds like everyone's dad who'd be like, well, uh, what are we going to do about the neighbours? Because we're probably going to disturb a lot of people. But yeah. Oh, no, I'd have been the same. I, yeah. I think, no, yeah, we, I, both, I, we both would have been, really. It's a conscientiousness, isn't it? It's like just thinking. Well, like, it's just common, well, de- common decency. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, I think it's also it's been so long in lockdowns and whatnot that I kind of forgot what I used to do in my old life. And I mean, because also for a long time before I left Birmingham, I just hide and go to work and then hide in my room. But um, yeah, there are things like occasionally going to the cinema. Um, again, like occasionally, like Ludo's taken me to a couple films. Well, he took me to Mother by Darren Aronofsky, which was horrible. Then <laughs> I remember Mother. Uh, I think I saw that on my um, own. And then he, we ended up seeing. I think we were just scratching for something to do, so we went to see Embrace the Serpent, which was amazing. I've still not seen that. Uh, I need to watch that. That is very good. That uh, film I've seen that you haven't. It's not as <laughs> a competition, but like it's just it's just a role reversal slightly. Um, what else do we do? I mean, there's going to the pub as well. Though I think like even in the week, I have like a couple of glasses of wine, and it's like if I don't balance it correctly, I'm still like I feel horrible. You know, it's, it's like, you know, we talk endlessly about not being able to handle drink anymore. But, oh, I've seen um, Craig Charles do a DJ set at um, the Heron Hounds, which is sort of normally ends the Mosley Jazz Funk and Soul weekend. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, and that was pretty fun. Uh, I mean, you, you, do you count DJs at raves and whatnot? I don't know. I'm not counting that. I mean, they do. I mean, some of them do a really good job and they do some, you know, they're, they're quite niche. And actually, one of someone I used to know did like funk and soul djing and so like there was like a birthday party where it was like um in in someone's house I mean, it was just a normal celly oak house but it felt properly like disco which was amazing nice but i guess like i mean that was you know that was the day you know yesteryear really and i think that's something i kind of miss which is um hopefully that's something i can pick up in you know wherever i am in the future is like more casual house parties and like you know just the odd like going to a gig or um maybe even going to the theater which has been a, is always a mixed bag but still interesting um yeah th- just those sorts of things and it wouldn't be like i'm not like hankering for it like i want to do something every day but it's just kind of that i think it's also the fact that it's one of these things where if you're at a loose end but you could also call on your mates who live around the corner and then it's just and then just oh we just we just do this and arguably, I know that well, as a lot of us were either working or like, you know, at that age of, you know, out be- being out of full-time education, that is still a- requires a lot of, you know, arranging. You can't just kind of nip out. And obviously people are in different places, but it's actually, you know, I mean, the, the, the main barrier is lockdown. I think afterwards, yeah. I think people will be hankering to, you know, set some time aside to go and do things with their friends in person. Well, funnily enough, I mean, it's funny you should mention that because, like, so for me, it's weird because uh, before lockdown, my like my life hasn't really changed much when lockdowns come down, really. I'm quite lucky in that sense um, because basically I spend most of my time alone anyway because of my circumstances you know well not not alone alone but you know i live with my family and mainly my routine is it used to be i should say was go go to work work a full day uh or maybe do some overtime uh which i did i did a lot of overtime but i still got made redundant (laughs) but um i'd go do that come home hang out with my family uh and that's it basically and same at the weekends i mean like you know we'd maybe go somewhere uh maybe shopping or something um but basically my my main social thing while i'm i'm at home is um i've got my buddy richard who me me and him would go walking like we'd go hiking you know on a on a tra- a, a long tra- a nice long trail or something uh that was really enjoyable but then i've got my, my mates matt and laura who are uh, married and they live around the corner from me um so i'd go and hang out with them and uh, a bit a big thing we developed that was always something i look forward to is um we we have like a board, we'd have a board game night um and we all we all get proper into it because uh, we all, we all play video games um and uh yeah we i usually i i because with them being being a married couple like they are like permanent co-op partners so it's nice because they've always got someone to play games with but they always invite me in as well so we do three player on stuff and uh, on steam and stuff but then we do board games and we play um gloomhaven 
which is uh for, for anyone who's not into board games uh gloomhaven is a board game that was funded and met its goal on kickstarter um and it is it's probably i think it's probably the biggest board game box you'll ever see it, it's gigantic uh it costs like 120 quid and it is just ridiculous it is filled with like miniatures and tokens and a big board uh and it's got tiles that you have to put together because like the board's different every time you play um it's a bit like D&D if D&D was even more expensive than it was and wasn't quite as freeform. Uh having said that it is amazing. If you're a super nerd like we are, uh <laughs> it's great and uh I think I have put pictures up in our WhatsApp chat of me taking a photo of the of the table when we're playing. Uh you might have yeah, seen there, that. Yeah, there Sam. is lots and yeah, there's lots and lots of components. If you watch the oh blimey, shaking the microphone watch the shut up and sit down review of it i mean they did lots of good reviews anyway but like that's did, did they, I mean, um, that's just a review I, I know i haven't seen it did they did they rate it did they did they like it oh absolutely yeah that they i, mean, I can't remember if they recommended it or not because it's the the outlay and like there's i mean there's also like it's it's a heavy fantasy stuff although it's very much within its own universe and a lot of the characters you play are kind of they're not your standard races as it were but yeah um, they're all yeah i think the, with the classes are um yeah, they've, they've made an effort to, to do it a bit differently. So, yeah, yeah you, you're not just playing as, say, a barbarian, a warrior, a wizard. It is, yeah, it's it's all in-universe stuff uh, for the most part. Um, there is a degree of... Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got... There is a PC version, which um, my current computer, like, makes it makes it turn off. But, um, like, that, that that's obviously much cheaper and probably introduces you to a lot of the concepts. And also is less item management in terms of, like, the punch-outs and the cards and whatnot. It's, yeah, but, um, the PC version's not bad. Uh, I mean, me, me and Ludo play it. Uh, but the only thing is, is the PC version, for me, defeats the object. Uh, because the object of Gloomhaven kind of is in its maximalist style. It's in its tactility. I mean, I, I know you're a fan of tactile pieces. I mean, so am I. I love, I love dice and miniatures and tokens and stuff. And uh, and I think that's which is why, why I'm desperate to play D and D because I've bought yeah, some man. dice. I've made myself a dice train. I just love like I love like sort of um, what would you call it? Like playing sets. Like I like I used to sit and just shuffle cards or chuck dice around. I'm the same, mate. But, yeah, they carry on. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Seriously though, I, I promise you, we'll we'll, we'll get on D and D soon. Don't worry. E- even if it's just like i'll dm and and you can play and we'll, we'll maybe find like two other people who are up for it for a couple of hours we can just go through the starter set because i was saying to you i've got the starter set dungeon and that's like it's it, that's like one campaign ready to go all i need to do is read it so yeah we'll do that we will um but yeah um yeah that would be my normal social thing would be like go in and visit in my, my mates and uh we, we we just a usual thing our, our gloomhaven session is basically it's the same pretty much every time it's um i buy a load i buy a load of beer and take it round and they've got their alcohol as well we uh we hang out for a bit have a few beers uh and then we um usually play the game and then we'll have a chinese takeaway because there's a chinese right around the corner from my house um and it's ba- it's down the road for them so we go and like have a chinese you know and then play gloomhaven uh it's really nice and that's been a shame not being able to do that um but we, we've kind of replaced it with um, the three of us play on Steam. We play The Forest, which is like a survival horror game. Oh, yeah. Um, and we, we all quite enjoy that. Um, we have played Divinity Original Sin 2, um, uh, but we haven't done that in ages just because it's quite a commitment. Um, and also because in, in my mate Matt, in his words, he sort of said he's all divinityed out because um, him and his wife, Laura, they... Um, they're kind of divinity experts at this point because it's like their game they play together and i think they recently finished the game on like tactician mode which is the hardest difficulty and i've got no idea how they did that it's like crazy it's like playing something like fucking XCOM on like iron man and the hardest difficulty but good on them for doing that but as a result they haven't been able to come and help me with my campaign yet um but yeah i'm looking forward to that and and again like you were saying the original point being like they live close enough to me that it's literally a case of like i can quickly hit them up and be like oh are you free and i can even just head around for like a cup of tea or something you know even if they are a bit busy they can hopefully spare like an hour for me to just hang out so yeah it'll be nice um and then bringing it back i guess to the uh, what started the podcast i mean 
look at us today, eh? We didn't plan anything, and yet I think it's been quite coherent today. Um, no, I think so as well. I, yeah. I'm pleased. I mean, I, I, I've caught myself umming a lot, but um, I think... We can cut those out. We can cut those out. Um, I was thinking, like, do I just talk about how much I want to play D&D? Uh, but, like, I only mentioned it a bit, which is good. We talked about... I think we've not really talked about gigs in such a... We've talked about the end of a fringe, I'm sure, before, but I don't think we've talked about, like, the going out element in such a... With such elaboration, which is good. It's I mean, also, obviously, the, the... I think me and you don't tend to. It's something we could probably talk about loads, to be fair. But we haven't for a while. Is uh, talked about like what music we both like and what bands. So it's definitely a, an untapped font. Um, but yeah, sorry. The only other thing I'd say is uh, yeah, bringing it back to like the start of the podcast would be uh, yeah. As far as with lockdown, what I'm planning on doing, it will be yeah, visiting friends and I guess the only big thing, like you were saying, the you know the. Uh, bad behavior or whatever uh probably will be my next uh london uh adventure um just i'm so gonna try and do like a it's okay i keep interrupting no it's all right uh and also i think i might know what you're gonna say but yeah i was gonna say i i need to sort out where i can stay in london um and i know you i think i might get this wrong but i think you were gonna say you're doing your is it your uk tour yeah uk tour but um yeah uh, the, smith 2021 I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna try and uh, yeah see people in like Birmingham. It's also some other places I've not been. Like I'll explore Manchester more. Maybe go up to Liverpool as well. To Birmingham, I'll try and do Mugger down to Bristol, which I've not been to before. Obviously, got to go to London. Well, if you want um, to um, come stay with me, uh, we've got good train links to well crew connects to like everywhere because it's like one of the most important rail hubs in uh, you know in in the UK. It's about the only... as, as our listeners might know from um, yeah from crew intentions our, yeah because yeah, I, yeah, I, there's exactly. so many fun facts about crew uh, all complete facts in that in that uh, fantasy made up children's game that we played. Um, <laughs> children's but yeah, game, um, if you want to like stay, children's game, if you want to stay at my place, uh, and then we can basically get the train to Manchester and to Liverpool because it's not long on the train, so. Um, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I was going to say as well because I'd be up for doing a day in Liverpool because I don't know it very well, so it'd be nice to visit and have a proper wander around. Um, I've been a couple of times. I went there for a job interview for my substitute teaching job, which uh, that led to a lot of misery. But I had a nice, I had a nice day of the day of the interview. But uh, the only other thing I did was uh, I've been to see, um, I went to see Electric Six in Liverpool twice. Because uh, the O2 Academy is just right next door to Liverpool Lime Street, um, but as a res- uh, okay. I, as a result, I, literally you get there on the train and you nip around the corner and you're at the venue. So I haven't actually like wandered around Liverpool. Um, I saw my first ever gig in Liverpool actually at the uh, at the Echo Arena. Um, I saw uh, OMD if if you know o- OMD. Well, orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Yeah, yeah, that was my first ever game. Yeah, I only only know um, only know Enola Gay, but that is a brilliant song. To, to be fair, Enola, Enola Gay probably is their best song. Uh, have you not heard Electricity? I might have done. I might have yeah, uh, uh, done. I might. I might have done. Yeah, uh, that I'll was an amazing gig, though. Actually, to be fair, uh, they were my first ever gig, and Slayer was my second. <laughs> Fair enough. Which I, mean. I went to see with my uh, with my two uncles and my sister. Uh, yeah, that was in Manchester. But um, yeah, I'd be up for going to Liverpool, have a wander around and see the sights. And also Manchester. I'd come with you to Manchester as well if you want the company. Cause, um, yeah, absolutely. Man- Manchester's nice. Yeah, I've been, I think I've been a few times, like normally stopping off at the bus or just like meeting up. Uh, just as, a, I mean, it's the half, it's a halfway point between. Uh, one of my sisters in Lancaster and you know Birmingham and elsewhere. Um, oh, make makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I still need to really go. To, need to go to Lancaster as well. Um, I've only been to Brighton. the uni years ago. Um, I went uh, with a as part of a school event. I think it was like a. Um, sounds really weird, but I think it was when I was in like either first year sixth form or last year of year last bit of year eleven. We went to do some sort of weird fucking citizenship thing, um, and it was we had to go and do it at Lancaster. So I've only been to the uni, but um, I've not been to the um, the city. I went to um, I've not really been to Nottingham apart from something called Medlink in twen- in my year twelve, um, which has been like I think December like 
it had been like 2011 or something and because i was looking to be a doctor at that point ha 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 and um yeah there was a sort of a strange series of lectures which i think a lot of us came out of that thinking like is that like was that a cash grab it might have been and it was also like people peddling their books i mean there was some interesting stuff we learned from it but like i remember even other doctors were like i, I heard people bitching about me knowing all the answers and it's just like like ooh, what the fuck so it was <laughs> and it was also very cold um yeah i've, n- I've never been not and yeah so i was i was put and also the uh I thought because of the time of year, I think because the campus is very green with sort of strange buildings dotted around, it was kind of like um, it was sort of Centre Park's con Auschwitz, in my opinion, at that point. <laughs> Fucking but yeah. um, I know, yeah, it was, um, and I had I had been to Auschwitz at that point, so at least I, I mean I know that's not correct of me to say, like you know, making comparisons. Um, oh God, it was better than a fucking friend in America comparing, like saying shit like. Um, you know, they're making us get these vaccines, you know, it's it's all the same, isn't it? Get this vaccine, stay in your house, get on this train, you know, go to the concentration camp. Like, what Jesus. the hell? Did you nod your head and say, yes, it's exactly like that? No, I mean, this is, my mum was talking to her over text, and it was just like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, it was, I think it was just this idea, this idea the Americans have, which is like, any policy that comes from the government is, a, is, is an infringement on their own decisions. It's just like, fuck it, like, fucking hell yeah i was like um, that when a light bulb went out in my room and i'm uh, i've been struggling to get the right bulb for it and i said uh yeah i said uh i said to myself oh i hate these fucking light bulbs it's just like you know it's two light bulbs in the world trade center and what one in a field in pennsylvania yeah <laughs> yeah it's That's i don't like yeah the comparisons like that it's fucking nuts especially when it's something like the fucking the vaccine it's like oh yeah the vaccine that's just going to do nothing but help you and make sure you don't die yeah for sure and i think it's even then it's like um but there's also something that the world is doing as well and it's not um uh yeah it's also i think it's this idea that um it's weird because they're both americans i like think the government the government will put them in concentration camps but yet they there were groups that were kind of in favor of the 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 more racially inclined ideas of the Nazi party it's um oh it's fucking nuts I think it's like it's just the whole the whole idea like neo-Nazi kind of it confuses me as well because it's like um they just cherry pick do you know what I mean like they and the if you look at the history it's like um half the you know half the people in the Nazi party didn't write anything down and everything was so on the fly but the American groups have just cherry picked what they want from it mm. um fucking mental and it's like you know it, it, it kind of raises the question like is there a point where you kind of have to say like i guess this is your choice but these are objectively shit choices that you're using <laughs> you, that you're using your um your your brain to make i don't know what we were talking about before um, uh gigs <laughs> Oh yeah, that fun thing. Need more yucks in the show, but um, yeah, that I guess it, it once yeah once lockdown ends, I guess as we say, would we'll, we'll, I don't think you know there's, there's still going to be a long, long time before things are actually truly normal because you know there'll be people who need to readjust. Um, you know there'll be people who have had long COVID, so their their physical health is different. People who have had developmental health issues are still going to take a long time before they. Um, just happen to be able to go out again. I think people are going to be scared for a long, long time. Yeah, well, um, I think some people have theorised that it, it could be that, you know, from now on, every year you get your flu jab or whatever and, and you'll get your, your COVID jab. It'll just be a, a new thing, you know, that we have to live with. I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but I heard I just heard it as one of the speculations. Yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. I mean, it's also like... Um, you know, families are going to be torn apart. They can't just go back to normal, really. And, you know, even even if you've not known anyone with the disease, you're still, like, you can still be fearful for yourself. Um, and it's also, like, they're just picking up the piece as well. It's not like, well, that was a two-year blip. Let's just go back to normal, you know. Because, you know, people have lost money. They've lost businesses, uh, lost, you know, lost family members, lost relatives, lost colleagues, um, lost, you know, lost sanity, 
uh, and probably generally just lost hope as well. Mm. So like it's it, I, it's not going to be like I'll just flip the switch back on and everything's fine. There's I think it's going to be a long, long time. Not least of all the the debt we're going to end up paying to the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, like g- good for them for getting vaccines through, but like it is going to take a long time to pay off. Um, so it's not just going to be a, oh everything's fine. It will take years to come before um things resemble anything beforehand and it probably won't they might not even ever again this might be like a demarcation in the times yeah maybe anyway that was me yeah i thought that was me being extra miserable for a while but but i guess it's like there's a degree of um if you know if we're aware of these and i guess we can kind of accommodate them rather than going oh everything's going to be fine you know and i think yeah it's um yeah we're still you know we're still seeing some european countries like going back into lockdowns and whatnot so and it's still because it's so global as well we couldn't we, we can't say that well i'm fine so i'll live normally it doesn't work like that at all at least I think that's what I think. There'd probably be people that go, I have mine, and just carry on. <laughs> I um, think certainly in the Western world. But, uh, yeah, well, fingers crossed. Try to stay positive in it, you know. Uh, stay positive. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, like I say, gigs are one of the things I'm looking forward to coming back in whatever form they may take. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, seeing you again in, in the flesh and, uh, you know, seeing friends again. And, yeah, fingers crossed, just... Uh, hanging out with people again because um i mean well things changed a bit a bit you know like you know uh people move into different places or people's jobs changing people's sort of circumstances changing so it'll be interesting to like just you know meet up with people and uh yeah that'll be nice yeah i mean if, if the podcast drops off in episode rate it's probably because we're actually like we're seeing each other in person actually getting on with other things <laughs> like <laughs> I don't. I don't know if the podcast would have come about without lockdown, you know. Because well, yeah, uh, because it was at a yeah. time where we were talking so much anyway. Essentially, it came, it was just, Plopcast is basically the bastard child of uh, of of film night, you know. Uh, and film night completely came about because of lockdown. Um, I'm guessing it was uh, it was what's it wasn't it the first film? Do uh, David Lynch's June uh, was yeah. the one that kicked it all off, and then it was like, well, yeah, why don't we do this once a week? And from that, the producer uh, opened a gateway uh, and said, uh, "Yeah, you guys need to do a, need to do a, a podcast." So yeah, and here we are. Yeah, so. I mean, we're talking we're talking about it in the WhatsApp. Actually, it's like this is this is something which um, we've, I'm sure we talked about it before. That the um, you know this is the thing that came about quite organically, and you know, feel and actually little input. And we didn't really have many targets with it, and yet it, that's probably why it feels like the best. Um, the kind of one of the best things we've done, just on the count of the fact there is no pressure, really. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, of... we just do it because we like chatting, and you know, it's just as yeah. easy as hitting record. So yeah, no, I'm perfectly happy to do it, and it. it feels, I feel like um... feels good to do, and also it's meant we've developed some new. Well, I, you know, I think we've all developed them, but me, I think definitely because I never really tampered with audio editing or anything i mean i've yet to edit an episode by myself so i will do that don't worry uh that goes to the producer as well i will stop pulling my weight more but my point is i uh yeah i felt like feel like i've really learned some new skills and uh yeah i mean i don't really know who's listening uh but whoever you are you know thank you so much for listening to us chat because uh we love doing it and uh i guess the ultimate goal is that basically someone could listen in and just have a chuckle uh that's kind of yeah absolutely my main thing really because that's what i go to podcasts for is uh to find people who have similar interests or usually know a lot more than me so that i can learn stuff but definitely for this it's just nice to just you know be able to listen to people talk and uh yeah hopefully people like it i mean i think at this point we're doing it for our friends because they actually do give us feedback they will actually say oh you know um heard the podcast I was relieved to hear when Ludo did say uh, he enjoyed his appearance in the Crew Intentions adventure because I did say to him I, uh, I I really regretted doing an well it's not even an impression of him I was just pretending <laughs> just to be him in, yeah. in, in my voice uh, 
but my defense in that is the producer did write that into the into the original yeah for sure game notes but uh, he he thought it was all right so you know it's it's fine uh, yeah but yeah no it, i like to think that uh people can at least listen to this and and have a laugh and just enjoy the enjoy the stories enjoy the our, our pathetic attempts at humor yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I was going to contrast it with what I've been doing on YouTube recently. It's like I'm kind of going. Am I? Am I now again putting myself under pressure to deliver and like creating something which could easily become a vacuum again? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm gonna. At least I'm more aware of those sentiments now. Um, but yeah, the, the point with, with this is like, um, we know we're not we're not hoping for any kind of fame or money from it. And, and, and every everything that comes with it is just gravy, isn't it? It's like every every um episode is like extra icing on like the, the cake is being like that first episode and actually saying oh we're actually gonna do it i think everything else is just like extra extra icing which is yeah, just which great we're, we're still doing it we're still making the cake which is is nice um, yeah i mean and if, if anyone is honest really what do you eat a cupcake for you don't eat it for the sugar sponge do you um no absolutely not because it's barely you eat it for the bus yeah you eat it for the butter icing i mean maybe that's just me it's like I, you don't it's like, I mean, like, even like a, a digestive without chocolate has its place as like a tea dunking biscuit. You can't, you know, that arguably chocolate digestives are a lot better, but then like with a the cupcake, like you would never just get the cake, would you? I mean, no, maybe it's, that's just what it's just a, it, it's just a vehicle for the, for the icing. Yeah, it's just a vessel for icing. Maybe that's what, well, mind you, a mandolin is like a little shoe pastry thing. Um... And they're sort of with lemon syrup. That's probably all the kind of rubbish. I always get them. It's like, oh, yeah, these are just cupcakes without icing. <laughs> um, that's a nice place to end on, I think. Um, before I then sabotage it with more negativity or, like, uh, doom and gloom. But, yeah, um, no, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, maybe just end it. Yeah, end it before, yeah, we say anything we're going to regret. Yeah, absolutely. 